This morning, friends, I want to look at the most famous verse in the Bible. And I want to look at it because billions of people in history have memorized this verse. And it's John chapter 3 and verse 16. In this verse is the reason for Christmas. There's how to get to heaven. And there's the entire Bible summed up in one sentence, in this one verse. So let's read it aloud together with enthusiasm. Let's read it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in should but. Now, if you only know one verse in the Bible, this one has the gospel, the good news in a nutshell, the gospel. In fact, if you look at that verse, you can see G-O-S-P-E-L. That just happens to be, by the way. And I was also encouraged just this morning, listening to one of our members tell me about their grandson's first birthday. Maverick is his name. And at that particular uh, gathering, there was an opportunity for one of our members to do something that we've forgotten, and that is to share the gospel at that particular event. There were some people that were Christians, there were some people that weren't. But it will be like me going to an event where some people were mortally sick and say I had the cure for pancreatic cancer, and I did not share that with them. That will be very unloving. There they gave the reason for Christmas. And I'm going to drill into that today. I want to look carefully, phrase by phrase, at Christmas, at the greatest verse. And it's going to talk about the love, the greatest love. We're going to look at the greatest sacrifice. We're going to look at the greatest offer for you to choose. You have a choice in this. And the greatest gift. So the whole reason that we give gifts at Christmas is because God so loved the world that he gave. So let's pick this up. Number one. First of all, in this verse, we're going to look at the greatest love. The greatest love. That's what we're going to look at. Start off this morning. The greatest love. The Bible says that God so loved the world. That little word, so, is an adverb. And it adds intensity. <clears throat> Meaning a whole, whole lot of love. <clears throat> God had. He so loved the world. That's the whole point. And God's love for you is intense. It's not quiet. It's lavish. It's extravagant. And sometimes in our respectable areas, Kiwis, which is a hangover from the old Poms, and I can say that because I am a Pom, we don't get too excited. Listen, when my wife told me she loved me, I didn't say, okay, yawn. I was excited. There's a relationship. Remember, this is not a concept, this is a relationship. We're not reading about somebody else's love. God loves you so much. So, so much. He's excited about that. He's passionate about that. Let me give you a very practical example. 
Some of you are married, some of you are not. But one day, if your spouse comes to you and gives you a kiss, you'll know the difference between a perfunctory kiss and a passionate kiss. And all of that marriage said? Amen. See? <laughs> There's a big difference. Do not fall into the perfunctory form of Christianity, which is intellectual, cerebral, nothing wrong with thinking, but lacks heart, lacks passion. God so loved the world. Not just a little bit, so. Let me tell you this, friends. <clears throat> no man and no woman will ever love you as much as Jesus does. That's a fact. Look at how much God loves you. Ephesians 1.4 He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Hold on. Before the universe was even created, he had you in his mind that we should be holy and without blame. I like that last part. Before him in love. Before God even made the universe, he already had you in mind. And he made you to love you. That's cool. The reason you even exist is you were made to be loved by God. That gives you meaning. That gives you purpose. He's always loved you before the foundation of the world. You are his masterpiece. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers his compassion on all creation. God bless you, Martin. The trick is to drink that without electrocuting yourself. <laughs> Everything in your life is actually a gift from God Here's the dangerous part. It is very easy to take his love for granted. Again, addressing the married couples here. It is very easy to take our spouse's love for granted. And it is very easy to take our Heavenly Father's love for granted. Ear is a gift from God. You wouldn't last very long without air. The water you drink is a gift from God. Without it, you ain't going to last very long. In fact, food, yes, you can last a little longer. I read about a guy, I need to still check the veracity of this, but he was a big boy. He lasted just under 300 days without food. He was huge. You can live without food for a long time. You can't live without water for a long time. All of these things are gifts from God. Your beating heart is a gift from God because he loves you. Now maybe, I suggest this morning as we look at this verse, we could all do to be a little bit more grateful of all the lavish gifts God gives us, including our life. My health, I often take for granted until something goes wrong. Maybe you're the same. So God's love for you is eternal, and it's literally everywhere. God will never stop loving you. That is called unconditional love. That's called unconditional. That is very different than human love. Because human love, I've noticed, 
can wear thin. It can actually wear out. It doesn't always work out. We know that. Contrast that, though, with the greatest love in the universe. Nothing in all creation is able to separate us from the love of God. Nothing is able to separate us from the love of God that is shown in Christ Jesus. That's because God's love isn't based on who you are. It's based on who he is, which never changes. You never have to worry about God's love for you changing. It's not based on what you do. Did you hear that? It's not based on what you do. He loves you when you have a bad hair day and you're ticked off with everybody. You're in one of those cantankerous moods. He loves you on your good days. God's love, if you tap into it, is sufficient to handle any problem in your life. The Bible says in Ephesians 3.18, may you be able to feel and understand how long, how wide, how deep, and how high God's love really is. And experience this love for yourselves. Isn't that amazing? Notice God says, I don't want you to just know that I love you. He says, I want you to experience it. And you go, oh yeah, God, I know you love me, but your attitude is a bit more, so what? If that's your attitude, friend, can I suggest you've never really experienced it? Or you may have had knowledge, and you, but you don't have the heart knowledge of it. He says, I want you to experience the love of God. And this is my prayer for you this Christmas. He says, I want you to know how, how long is God's love. I'll tell you how long it is. It's long enough to last forever. How wide is God's love? It's wide enough to be everywhere you're going to be. How deep is God's love? It's deep enough to handle any problem and lift you out of any pit. How high is God's love? It's high enough to overcome any barrier that you encounter. God is saying, in essence, I love you so much in every dimension. Now, the second part of John 3.16 tells us about the greatest sacrifice. The greatest sacrifice. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Loving and giving go together. Loving and giving go together. Now, let me be clear. You can give without loving. But you cannot love without giving. Giving is the essence of love. The Bible says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to come to earth to die for us. Who was his son? Who was that baby in a manger 2019 years ago? He was God 
in human form. He was God, wrapped in flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. Notice what the Bible says. Christ is the visible, look at this, the visible image of the invisible God. That's why Jesus said to the disciples, somebody said, show us God. And he said, have I been with you so long and you do not know me? Christ is the exact representation of God. So why did God come to earth in a human form? Because he wanted to communicate with us. He became one of us. His God was the skin on. If you want to know what God looks like, take a long look at Jesus. And here's a really good test. If somebody says, this person's God or that person's God, if it doesn't like, look like Jesus, it is not the real God. Allah is not the real God. Period. Not like Jesus. The Bible says, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. That is the real God. God came to earth in the human form of Jesus to do several things. To show us what God is like. That's why he came, to show us exactly what he's like. To tell us the truth. It's the second reason he came, to show us the way. And fourthly, to show us how to live and to model a godly, holy life. But the number one reason Jesus came to earth at Christmas was he came clearly to die. Now, living in a fallen world, it is very easy to become pessimistic and negative. One of the main reasons God gave prophecy was to say, buck up, keep your chin up, look, I've won. Prophecy is an antidote to negative and pessimism, because we win. And even though um, the Bible says that Christ was to die, there was a reason for that death. And without his death, we could never make it into heaven. Here it is. He was born to die, to die for our sins. The Bible says in Romans 5.8, the ESV version, but God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the sacrifice that he made. It's not for his friends, not for people who liked him, people who didn't even know him, people who rejected him whilst we were still sinners. Jesus didn't have to die, by the way, on a cross for you and me. He wasn't forced to, but he did it out of love. God wants you and I to be in heaven with him when we die, and that is the only way we'll ever get there. Now, there's a problem here. God wants us in heaven when we die. But there's a big problem. And the problem is simply this. Heaven is an absolutely perfecto place. Perfection. And you and I are not. And the Bible says very clearly from the descriptions there, there is no sin in heaven. There's no suffering. There's no sickness. There's no sadness. There are no problems. There's no greed. There's no envy. There's no anger, no lust. There is no sin in heaven. The Bible clearly paints that picture. Now, that's a problem. It's lovely. It's perfect. But that's a problem for me because I'm a sinner. And it's probably a problem for you. So how do you solve this equation? How do you get imperfect people into a perfect place for eternity? How does that work? Jesus said, I will go 
to earth and I'll die for their sin. And I'll pay for them so that they don't have to pay. They can get on my ticket. That's what he said. This week, I was thinking about that. And I read about a Christmas letter to Santa Claus from a little baby, well, from, a, from a young boy. And he said this, I quote, Dear Santa, there are three little boys who live in our house. There's Jeffrey, he's two. There's David, he's four. And there's Norman, he's seven. Jeffrey is good some of the time. David is good most of the time. That's David. But Norman is good all of the time. And I am Norman. <laughs> That's the problem. The reason why we need a savior is you and I ain't Norman. <laughs> None of us are. None of us are perfect. So we need a savior. And the Bible says at the first Christmas, the angel said, you'll see it in your outline, Luke 2.11, unto you is born a savior. Savior is somebody who can get you into heaven. Who is, who is this Savior, by the way? And then it tells us exactly, clearly, unequivocally, who is Christ the Lord. He is the Savior. So when Jesus stretched out his arms on the cross, he was saying, this is how much that I love you. I love you so much I would rather die than live without you. Now what was going on there? when Jesus was hanging on the cross and dying for our sins of man. The Bible explains what was going on. In 1 John 2, 2, he says, He, Jesus, is the payment for our sins. And not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. That's a transaction. That's the good news. That is the greatest sacrifice. Why did he do that? Man, I'd hate to die for my own sins, let alone the sins of the whole world. Woo! Because what he does it? Because he loves you. And he wants you in his family and he wants you in heaven. That's what motivated him for the joy that was set before him. And, it's per- and God's plan's perfect. Heaven's perfect. You and I not. Somebody's going to make up the difference. So that was God's plan. So the Bible then says, God took the sinless Christ and poured into him our sins. Here it is. Here's the, big, here's the deal. Here goes the deal down. And in exchange, he swapped it. He poured God's goodness into us. Whoa! Now that's the only chance you and I have of getting into heaven. His righteousness takes care of all of us. So what happened? He showed his love by dying for our sins. And that, friends, is the greatest sacrifice. Now the next part is it's up to you here. Now we come to the greatest offer. And as we all know, offer and acceptance is a contract. The third part of the verse, God so loved the world, that's the greatest love, that he gave his only son, that's the greatest sacrifice. Now we come to the greatest offer, that whosoever believes in him should not perish. That is an incredible offer. That is the deal of eternity. Jesus' offer to you is the offer to save you. 
It's an offer that you can't afford not to accept. Notice who the offer's for. It says right there, whosoever. That means anybody. The book of Titus says, the free gift of eternal salvation is offered to everyone. Now here's the sad news. Not everybody will accept it. What's your answer? Have you accepted it? The free gift of eternal salvation is offered to everyone. It doesn't matter what religious background. Because it's not about religion. It's about your relationship to Christ. I love this. It makes no difference of who you are, where you're from. If you want God and you're ready to do what he says, the door is wide open. I put the word wide in there, but you get the idea. Notice he says here, regardless of your ethnic background, regardless of your economic status, that means nothing. Regardless of your educational background, it's all about who believes in him shall not perish. I love this. It's effectively amazing grace for every race. I'll take that. <laughs> Jesus is an equal opportunity savior. How do I accept this offer? Well, whoever believes in him shall not perish. It says here in Romans 10:9, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that's what Easter's all about, you'll be saved. So when we say Jesus is Lord, what does that mean? Because we don't live in a, a feudal system anymore. It's like sometimes you drive past some of the shops in Howick and it says, under new management. Have you seen that? That's what it means. Before I accepted Christ as my saviour, I managed my own life. But now, I've accepted Christ and now he manages my life. I wasn't doing a very good job of it. And the evidence of that was broken relationships, dead ends, a lot of stress, tons of worry, anxiety, depression, too many regrets. No clue of what my purpose is in life. Then I realized I was a sinner and I could never make it to heaven on my own efforts. So God, I realized that God loves me and he made me. And he knows, he knows, because he made me, what will make me happy far more than what I think. I thought this, I pursued it, dead end. Thought this, didn't satisfy. Went after this, spent my life doing this, not very meaningful at all. So he knows what will make me happy more than I do. And he sent his son to die for me, and he wants me to live with him in heaven, and I want to let him be the manager of my life. That's what Lord means, under new management. This is what it means to say, Jesus is the Lord of my life. Then, if you believe in your heart, God raises him from the dead. Notice it doesn't say, if you believe in your head, because of the historical facts. You can look at all the historical facts. They are solid. In fact, many of you are going to see them next year. You're going to go to Joseph's tomb. You're going to see that. You're going to see all where it all happened in Israel. But it says, if you believe in your heart, Why? Because a lot of people have an intellectual understanding of Jesus, a religious understanding, but they have no heart or emotional commitment. See, God sent Christ to give you a relationship. That whosoever believes, that's the greatest offer. Let's review the greatest verse in the world. 
For God so loved you, that's the greatest love, that he gave his only begotten son. Nobody's ever made that kind of sacrifice for you ever before. But whosoever believes in him should not perish. That's the greatest offer. The last part, four. But have everlasting life, and that is the greatest gift you'll ever be offered. The greatest gift. You get a lot of Christmas presents, if you're anything like in our place. But here's the deal. A lot of Christmas presents don't even last six months, especially with kids' toys these days, right? Let alone 60 years. And if we're dead honest, most of us don't even remember what we got for Christmas last year. <laughs> this gift, though, on is a diametrically opposed contrast, is a gift that will last forever, eternal life. What does that mean? Eternal life is far more than just duration. It involves three parts to eternal life. And it begins the moment that you open your heart to Christ. So listen very closely. When you accept Christ into your life, his salvation being received, three things happen. Number one, your past is forgiven back there. Everything you've done wrong is wiped out. Second thing that happens, you have a purposeful living whilst you're on earth. And by the way, if you have purpose and you have hope, you will cope. With no hope, you won't cope. Thirdly, you'll have a home in heaven in the future for eternity. Now where else on this planet are you ever going to get a gift like that? Only God can make that offer to you. It's a free gift and it's what Christmas is actually all about. And you know why we give gifts at Christmas. It's because God gave us the first gift, the free gift of Jesus Christ. Now I wonder, for you sitting in this room and you online, has your past been forgiven? Or are you still carrying around resentment and regrets and disappointments and grudges? We're about to enter a new decade. Don't bring all that rubbish into the new decade. Give those things to God. Point two for here and now. Are you living with true purpose? Or are you just drifting along, being pushed by the tides of this world? Are you living for a purpose or are you just drifting? Are you feeling the pressure? Because here's the deal. You'll either live by your priorities and purpose or you'll be pushed around by pressures of this world. So that's about here and now. What about heaven in the future? Are you certain of a home in heaven or are you afraid of death? You know, when my mum passed away, maybe three years ago now, somebody's, and, and, and it's so true. I mean, yes, I'm very sorry and grieved that my mum is not here with me now. But you know what? The truth of it all is, my best days with my mother are in heaven. I've only had this much with her down here. I've got all of eternity to enjoy it. And that's the difference faith makes. Totally transforms your view of death. He says, God says, I want to give you these things. And not only that, because you become part of God's family. The Bible says here, his unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his family. That word adopt has got a very special meaning in our family because my daughter's adopted two children. 
We get it. Those children are our flesh and blood now. Never to be cast out. They are ours. God's unchanging plan. Remember, there's no shadow of changing with God. Has always, that's a big word, been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. That's the only way you can get to God the Father. Follow me closely on this. Everybody in this world is created by God. Everybody in the world is loved by God, but not everybody will accept God's love. Not everybody in the world is in the family of God because that's a choice. And God will never force you to love him. Let me ask you a question. You girls, think about this. Have you ever had a guy like you, but you just wanted to have him as a, a what? A friend, right? You might as well just stab him in the heart when you say something like that. <laughs> but if you tell him, no, 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 I just want you as a friend, and he still keeps coming on and coming on and coming on, eventually, that's not real love. See, true love is not forced. And God gives you a choice. God's not going to force you to love him. That's your choice. You must choose to love his son and get in his family and be part of it. Now, you don't have to understand it all. That's the other mistake people make. Oh, I've got to understand. Have all my questions answered. One day I stood before 300 people and I said two words that changed my life. You know what they were? I do. So this is how it works. You make a commitment. I do. And then you work your way into that commitment. Then you start to understand what you've gotten yourself involved in. <laughs> I can hear yeah, some of you, oh, this sounds like truth, right? And it's the same with all of You do not have to have every question answered. But you start with a commitment and you work your way in to that commitment. One of my favorite stories on that, my point is here, you don't have to understand it all before you move ahead. I'm going to finish with this last story in the Bible. A guy comes to Jesus one day. And he says, Lord, my daughter's sick. That would pain me. My babe, sick. And she needs to be healed. Well, okay, I get that. Jesus looks at the guy and says, do you believe that I can heal her? <laughs> what he says next, I think, is priceless. He says, I want to believe. Help me with all of my doubts. That is an authentic and very honest answer. I want to believe, Lord, but would you help me with my doubts? And Jesus says, that's good enough for me. And the girl's healed. Do you know that you can say that today? There's been a gift that's been sitting under your Christmas tree every year for years of some of your lives, and some of you have never unwrapped it. It is the gift of salvation. That's for some of you. The other part of you in this room and online are those who've got that gift now. You're enjoying it, but my question is, are you passing it on? Like this couple did that first birthday of Maverick. You can say to Jesus, I want to believe, help me with my doubts, and Jesus will say to you, that's good enough. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for your incredible, amazing love for us and for your grace. 
Thank you that you love us even when we don't deserve it. Thank you that even when we don't feel it, that you are consistent when we are inconsistent. Lord, there are people here today who know about you, but they don't really know you. They don't have a personal relationship. So today I pray that they will experience by the power of your Holy Spirit your love completely and receive your Christmas gift. Now why don't you pray in your mind and say something like this. Say, dear God, I haven't talked to you for a long time. I've been distracted. For some of you, maybe you've never talked to him. Would you say though, I thank you for loving me, for creating me and wanting me. I admit I often take your love and the good things you've done in my life for granted. And I'm sorry. I want to be more grateful. For some of you, maybe you say this Christmas, I want to accept the Christmas gift of your son Jesus Christ, which you freely gave. Maybe you also are honest enough to say, God, I don't understand it all. But as much as I know how, I want to open my life to you. I want to be under new management of your spirit. Why don't you say, Jesus Christ, I need you to be my savior. Because I know I am not perfect. And I could never get into heaven by myself. So I am asking you this morning to forgive my past. I'm asking you to give me a purpose for the present. And I'm asking you to give me a home in heaven in the future. I want to trust you and love you in the powerful and matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen.